It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder Podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host and founder of BricktownBuckets.com, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. You can follow the show on Twitter at L-O-Thunderpod. Email the show, L-O-Thunderpod at gmail.com. Call into the show, 405-362-7128. On today's show, we're going to break down the game against the L.A. Clippers and more importantly, we're going to talk about why SGA deserves consideration alongside the names of Trey Young, Ja Morant, and Colin Sexton. I am sick of SGA getting overlooked a little bit. I mean, this guy is just so impressive. In this game, the Thunder did not have Al Horford, they did not have Ty Jerome, and they did not have Josh Hall. They lost 120-106, to 106, but remember, the Thunder are too good to tank. And I want to talk right now about SGA. Let's just get right into the big story. And the big story through all of this is Shea. Shea is the beacon of hope. Shea is what this season is all about. For the first time in forever, this season's not about wins and losses. It's not about the scoreboard. It's about developing young talent, and that starts with Shea. And in this game, he displayed some incredible body control when attacking the rim. He had nifty finishes. Just he, he had things you couldn't teach. And I like the way that Michael Cage put it on the broadcast. Whenever you watch Shea and the way he gets to the rim and the way that he can contort his body and evade defenders on his path to the rim, it's stuff that you can't practice. Like this is not some signature Euro step or something. This is improvised on the fly where he's just taking any angle and any advantage he can to get to the basket. So the ability to finish at the rim is a big deal for him. Again, we've talked about him drawing fouls a lot more this year, which is important to unlock that next level of scoring. But even beyond that, he expanded his game more with jump shots tonight. He had the step back three working a bit tonight. And his vision and his playmaking is way better than even I, as like a, as like a podcast host about the Thunder, who talks about them every single day and can have this homerish view. Even I did not give enough credit Touche's playmaking entering this year. It is well above where I thought the starting point would be as his first year as the full-time starting lead guard. And he's just super efficient. Like his numbers entering tonight, right? Not even including what he did tonight, but entering tonight, 21 points per game, five rebounds per game, six assists per game on 50% from the field, 36% from three and 75% from the line. And you would love for him to improve his free throw shooting, 
That's going to come in time, you would imagine, just how good of a, of a shooter he is. He's going to work out of this early free throw slump where he was not good, especially in the first five games at shooting free throws. But tonight, you know, if you include tonight's performance where he goes for 38 uh, minutes and scores 30 points on 55% from the floor, 40% from deep, and 6 for 6 from the line, he's just putting on display each and every night the kind of player he can be. And 25 points per game is not out of the realm of possibility. He has 21 points per game entering tonight's contest. Again, in his first 13 games, 21 points per game. Now add this game in where he dropped 30 and make it 14 games. And if he continues to produce this way, he can reach that 25 point per game plateau. And he's going to do so by hitting his free throws. And he goes six for six from the line tonight. He also has three rebounds and eight assists tonight with only the three turnovers. So watching Shea is just special. I mean, it is. He, what he does on the floor is so efficient and so smooth. It seems as though he's not even working out there to, to drop 30 points a night. He's that smooth. And so I think that he commonly gets overlooked in a lot of these conversations. You throw out the big names of Trey Young and John Morant. Colin Sexton is having a nice run here against Brooklyn, right? And we forget just how good SGA is. So I read to you SGA's numbers through this season, 13 games, 21 points per game, five rebounds per game, six assists per game, 50, 36, 75. The win shares per 48 for this season, SGA has a win share per 48 this season of 0.155. Trey Young this season is 0.151. And now Colin Sexton, after dropping 42 points on Wednesday, his win shares per 48 this year is .178. And that includes the 42-point game on Wednesday and only nine games so far this year for Colin Sexton, having a nice start to the year. John Morant, in only five games this year, has a .194 win shares uh, per 48. However, when you look at all these players' career win shares per 48, SGA has the best mark. Career win shares per 48. SGA has a 104. Higher than Trey Young, higher than John Morant, higher than Colin Sexton. And so if I asked you right now, who would you take to build your franchise around? I'm taking Shea. With John Morant, I worry about his athleticism declining eventually and his injuries. Like, does that athleticism lead to more injuries? I think that Shea's game can last longer in this league. I think that his game is more versatile than John Morant's game is. I think that Shea's game is more complete than Colin Sexton's is. And I think that with Trey Young, that becomes the real conversation here. The real conversation becomes Trey Young versus SJ. Throw out the highlights, throw out the, the draft slot, throw out the hype coming into the year and coming into their their, their careers. I think that the real conversation between all these players that get thrown around these lists, to me, the conversation of who you want to start your franchise with, out of Sexton, out of Young, out of Morant, out of Giddus Alexander, it comes down to SGA and Trey. I'm going to take SGA. I think that he can score at all three levels. He's a better defender. He is more versatile on both ends of the floor. He can fit to his teammates and not have his teammates fit around him, which is already presenting a problem in his own locker room for Trey Young. And I understand the highlights and the hype for Trey Young, but I just think that SGA plays a complete game. And SGA can beat you in a multitude of ways, can play both ends of the floor, 
and is who I want to start a franchise with because I know for sure that that he can be a number two guy for a championship team, that he would be comfortable being a number two guy for a championship team, that he will be versatile with no matter what position, what play style, what player we bring in to make this team better if I'm the GM of a team. With Trey Young, I've got to conform this roster around him to fit his needs and to fit his play style. Hope to the Lord that those players will want to play the Trey Young way, which John Collins does not want to do right now. And this year, we're going to get a look at what the Trey Young way can produce, right? And so far, he's off to a really rough start, but it's still a small sample size. So this year, we're going to get a, we're going to start to get a barometer of what the Trey Young style of play can do for a team because they finally put pieces around him to help him go win games, and they're now eight and seven. Nice start for them, especially factoring in Trey's slow start and the injuries they've had to deal with. But to me, that's the conversation. You you pick one of those two. I know that Jaw has the fancy highlights. And I know that Colin Sexton is the flavor of the week right now. But when it comes time to make a decision on who you want and who you're going to start your franchise with out of John Morant, out of Colin Sexton, Trey Young, and SGA, I'm taking SGA. I would listen to you if you took Trey, but I'm taking SGA for all the reasons I just listed. And the fact that he gets absolutely overlooked in all of these, the fact that most people would automatically put Trey and Jaw one and two. And then some, after we see what he did in Brooklyn, will now put Colin above SGA. That's insane to me. The disrespect for SGA, who is a rising star in this league, who's going to be an all-star, and has the potential to be a top 15 player in this league, it has to stop. It just has to stop. Because even while getting 30 points in tonight's game, even while having these scoring outbursts that Trey Young has had against Chicago and other teams so far this year, he is playing within an actual system. He's playing within an offensive role. He's not just jacking up shots and hoping for the best. If he did that, he could score 42. If he did that, he could score 35 a night. But he's playing his role, doing his job, and doing it efficiently. And the efficiency to me is key. It just is. And that helps you build teams. SGA's shooting splits entering Friday was 50, 36, 75. Trey Young shooting splits were 39, 29, and 86. And then Colin Sexton only has the nine games, including the 42-point game on Wednesday. So his splits were 53, 50, and 77. But let me know, who would you take of that? SGA, Trey, Sexton, or Morant? I think that for most people, SGA fits in at third behind Morant, Young, and then him. But I just found that interesting, that, that while we're all salivating over Colin Sexton, SGA is doing the same type of things. SGA deserves uh, that kind of respect as well. But we do have some listener questions and more of this game to break down coming up. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, 
Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We're back on Locked On Thunder, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. This is a special Saturday episode. We normally only have shows Monday through Friday, uh, but when they play on Friday nights, we're going to give you a show on Saturday. So I hope you all are enjoying your Saturday. We're actually recording this at midnight because of the because of the West Coast trip. As they do play-by-play of college basketball Friday evening, and the Thunder tip off at 9 p.m., so it worked out perfectly for my schedule. Uh, and now I'm doing more broadcasting, talking to you all, fine folks, uh, on the Lockdown Thunder podcast. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. So on these Saturday shows, it's not going to be as structured and as uh, buttoned up as Monday through Friday. So if you want the more elongated shows, you can listen to Monday through Friday, where we go well over the time we're supposed to go, by the way. Uh, I apologize profusely for that uh, to Nick and, and David, but I did want to continue to get fans involved with the show. You guys are, are are the backbone of all of this, so anytime I can get a chance to bring in your opinions and your takes and make you feel part of this, we're going to do that. So I asked for some questions, and we'll, we're going to do this mainly on the Saturday portions of the postgame pod, uh, but I did want to take the time to answer the questions that were thrown at me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. The first one from at Evan ETM. Is Isaiah Roby on this team in two years? In my opinion, he absolutely is, uh, because just the way that this organization talks about him, uh, specifically the quote from Mark on Thursday night about how the front office targeted Isaiah Roby. No matter what you think about Isaiah Roby's hot spurt right here this season so far, uh, you know, scoring double-digit points in every single start until tonight where he notched eight points. No matter what you think about Roby as a long-term prospect, in two years, is this team going to be so hamstrung for roster spots that they give up on Isaiah Roby? That's what you need to ask yourself. Right, so, so who are you locking into this year? I mean, to this roster and to this organization. You're locking in Dort, you're locking in Baisley, you're locking in SGA. Those three guys have to have a roster spot for, for, for the next two years. Let's use that time frame because it's the question. Now, Poku has to have one. Dale Maldon has to have one. We're now at five players that absolutely, positively have to have a roster spot in two years. And then, from there, I personally would throw in Josh Hall. think that he absolutely has to have one in two years. So we're at six with SGA, Dort, Baisley, Poku, Maldon, Josh Hall. And Josh Hall's borderline, but I, I personally think that Josh Hall should be on this team uh, in the two-year span that you're talking about here. So we're at six. Now, you're for sure going to have two first-round pick th- picks this year, maybe three. So let's go ahead and just add the third one, j- just in case. Now we're at nine, and I think that you're going to see Roby on this team because of that fact. For the future, there's nine people who absolutely need a roster spot without a shadow of a doubt. And so if you have to sacrifice a player of the caliber of Darius Miller or Justin Jackson, Trevor Ariza, Kendrick Williams, Hamadou Diallo, I think that Isaiah Roby finds himself ahead of the pecking order of all those guys. And maybe maybe this organization values Diallo more than Roby. So then at worst, you add a 10th person and, and you still have room for Roby. So I think that Isaiah Roby is for sure in the plans of the future for at least that timetable of in two years. In two years' time, I would, I'd be willing to bet that Isaiah Roby is still on this roster, especially if you're going to count this season, right? So if you're saying that you're counting this year, and so he only needs to survive until 2022, 2023, 
absolutely, I would, I would bet any amount of money you want to bet right now that Roby's still on the team because in 2022, 2023, he has a team option for 1.9. You can have Roby for 1.9. You absolutely sign up for that. He's that good of a player that he can at least be serviceable. Who else is going to give you productive minutes for $1.9 million? The same one that Roby can. Especially if you trust this organization and you trust this player developmental staff. Now, if you're talking in 2023, so you you don't count this year, you just kind of say, okay, the next two years, now take it to 2023, 2024. That's where things might get dicey. Uh, because you would imagine that this team is vastly improved by then, and so roster spots become a premium at that point, then there's more of a discussion, because that that year, in 2023, 2024, he's an unrestricted free agent, and so by that time, you would imagine this team's pretty good. Like, if you hit your draft picks, and, and you do the things you need to do, then you're in the, then you're in the win-now mode. You're starting to turn the corner with this core of trying to compete for championships by that time, and so your roster spots become a premium when that happens. And this organization has liked to keep an, a roster spot open even. Like they've liked to have, in years that they're competing, they like to have a roster spot that's not filled for the majority of the season. That way they can capitalize on the buyout market. So if you're at that point where you want to play the buyout game and you want to try to improve your team every single way you can throughout the entire season, in that 2023-2024 season, that's where you get dice with Roby. But until then, he's just smooth sailing, and then it's up to him, and it's up to this organization to develop him to the point where he is irreplaceable, or or he provides more value for the market that he's going to have, because he's never going to be a, a top-paid player in the league. So he has more value to your team because of the fact he's going to be cheap. Either way you slice it, if you want to take it to 2022-23 uh, or 23-24, I still think he's going to be on the team, but I feel way more comfortable about 2022-2023. That's an interesting question. Uh, he's had a really nice hot streak. I, I think that he is a part in some capacity, uh, not starting level, not even six, seven, eight man on the roster, but I do think that he can provide a special role in the regular season and give you productive bench minutes in the regular season, especially if Mark wants to continue to run a 10 man rotation. Like if you want to continue to run a 10 man rotation while you're trying to win games, Isaiah Roby can do that for you. Now, is he going to be a part of a playoff rotation? I think that at that point in the playoffs, like when this team is trying to win games, then he becomes a situational player that that you cannot have him a part of your absolute rotation. He is something you can throw out there for a, a new look, but you cannot live with him in the playoffs, I don't think. But again, he has endless possibilities. So we'll see how that goes. The next question from uh, Herman, Herman Navarro, they say, who do you think the Thunder top three players are this season? One and two is easy to me. Uh, it, it is pick your pick your poison of Shea and Dort. I, I can hear both arguments of, of Dort's been better this year or Shea has. I'm going to go Shea Dort on that one. So that's my one and two. The third player is still up in the air. Uh, I think that this is where you can start having a real nice dialogue at that number three spot. It's not Baisley. It, it's probably not Roby but he's gotten a lot of attention. I don't think it's George Hill. I don't think it's Muscala. Is it Diallo just because of the New York series? I, that seems hard-pressed to just go ahead and give it to him for that. And so the more you think about it, the more you do push Roby up and up and up. Roby might be the third best player on this team so far. Uh, you know, may, Maybe Al Horford. Uh, if you're talking just strictly talent, then that changes things. But if you're talking about production and value to this team on the court, 
uh, then it becomes more interesting. I'd say give it to Roby or Horford, you know, whoever you like the most. Uh, at that point, I'd give a hat tip to Roby because I'm looking at it as Roby is per- Roby is providing such production and Roby is doing so well in a role that, in my opinion, he has no business playing in the NBA. Now, Mark thinks differently. That organization thinks differently, and that's totally fine. But in my opinion, he's not an NBA center, and he's being asked to do that night in and night out, and that's the only way he's getting on to the four. And so he's taking that, Isaiah Roby is, and he is thriving in it. He's accepting the challenge, he's changing his game, and he's doing whatever the team needs him to do, and in which he's had a lot of success. He just has. So I'd give him number three, but again, that changes if you just mean strictly talent, of an individual, or if you mean what they've done so far this season, which I think was your question. So I'd go Shea, Dort, Roby. I'm going to combine these next two questions coming up because they're both about Darius Baisley. We're also going to have the MVP of the game coming up, the mock headline of the game coming up, the bet outcome and money ball outcome. That is all coming up after this on the Locked On Thunder podcast. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're back on Locked On Thunder Podcast, a part the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Where these questions came from, uh, these are going to get combined because they're from at uh, in Streber and at Nature of the Nine. Uh, they both ask about Darius Baisley. So Streber just says that, is it just me or is Baisley uh, seems to be more of a non-factor in some games? Nature of the Nine says that Poku should be getting more minutes than Baisley. Poku does not have a chance to get into the rhythm this year, and Darius Baisley is barely making an impact at this point. So I think that I understand where you're coming from. Both of you are coming from this position of that Baisley's not having the offensive leap we expected because of how good he was offensively in the bubble. I would point out that defensively, he's being asked to do so much more than he was in the bubble. The defenses are not only keying in on him, which is a big deal, they're game planning for him, but also he's being tasked with the with the energy zapper of defending Jimmy Butler and Zion Williamson and Jimmy, uh, Julius Randle and, and all these type of, of athletes and type of players that it takes away from your game offensively. Lou Dort is a special player. Lou Dort can lock Jamal Murray down and still drop 20 points. Still drop 25 points. That is, that is the exception, not the rule. Most players give you one or the other. And that's why you see a lot of players are really good offensively and not so good defensively because you focus on one aspect or, or, or the next. And with Baisley, he's talked since media day about focusing def- on the defensive end and wanting top defensive challenges. And he's gotten them. He's gotten the top defensive assignments down low. Mark has let him grow in that capacity. But it's really, really hurt his offensive game. And he's been really bad offensively. I, I think that it's a slump that he's in offensively. In this game, he only gets you eight points tonight. But you absolutely do not go away from Darius Baisley. You do not give Poku more minutes in favor, you know, in, in favor of benching Baisley or, or taking away Baisley's minutes from him. To me, I understand the situation of him being a non-factor in terms of whenever you look at the box score or you're just casually watching on TV. But 
when you break down his defense, he's been a huge factor defensively. So that's number one. Number two, I think that the only concern for Baisley so far this year, right? Like you shouldn't be worried about his future. You shouldn't be worried if he's a building block of this team. His future, in my opinion, has not changed so far this season. The only thing I've wondered about Darius Baisley so far, and I'll let you in on this right now, I, I do wonder, although Baisley cares about the defensive end, although Baisley wants those top assignments defensively, is that the best thing for him? Can he handle it? Now, he's been effective defensively, so he can handle it physically defending those players, but can his overall game handle it? Because it certainly seems like him defending top guys is correlating with his lack of offensive production. So can he be that two-way player, or does he need to pick a side? And for the Thunder, which side is the best suited for their long-term future? Would it be best served for him to just turn into this defensive menace that, that he seemingly wants to be? Or would it be beneficial for them to lessen his defensive role and not ask him to do so much defensively and get way more production on the offensive end? All That's all I would wonder so far. Nothing about his long-term future or his potential uh, you know, with this organization. But I do wonder, can he handle it? Look, it, it is a great first step that, that your young player wants to try defensively and wants to be a good defender. That is something a lot of young players don't have. That's something a lot of veterans don't have. But is it the best thing for him? I do wonder that. The counterpoint to everything is it's still been 13 games. It's still been 14 games. So this could be a slump or this could be an indication of what's going to be forthcoming in his NBA career. That's something that I'm going to be paying a lot of attention to this season. Can he handle big defensive loads and big defensive assignments and still get where you want him to be offensively? Because it's not like he's just standing there offensively and doing nothing. He's still, you know, getting eight shot attempts, you know, six of which are from deep. He's just missing them. He had that shot in the corner that goes off the backboard, off the side of the backboard. He's going three for eight. Two for six from beyond the arc. I think, to me, it's just a slump because he's not shooting bad shots. He's not doing something uncharacteristic on the offensive end. He's just not seeing the shot go in the net. Right? The ball's just not falling in. And so if, if that luck changes, and he goes three for six from beyond the arc, and he goes five for eight from the floor... It's a totally different game for Baisley. And the difference can be a matter of inches. So I don't think that you should throw him all the way out yet because of the of the potential that this is just an offensive slump. But you should monitor if he can handle playing both ways. I think that's a fair question to ask right now. So it's time for the MVP of the game. MVP right now. You're the real MVP. So the MVP of this game has to be SGA, who was electric. And, and I'll tell you this much. I seriously wonder, if you had some sort of truth serum, if you could just force the Clippers to tell the truth, would they do that trade? Would they do the Paul George trade? Because even as Paul George is having this MVP caliber year, he's really good again tonight. 
If I put Gallinari on that Clippers team with SGA, with Kawhi, so like if I could guarantee them that they'd still get Kawhi without the trade, would they do it? Would they give up SGA, Gallo, and the draft picks? Because I'm not sure how much worse they get adding Gallo and Shea to that team. I, I really wonder what LA would think about that. Like what their front office brass would think about that if I can guarantee that I would deliver them Kawhi still. Let me know what you would do. Like, would you still complete that trade if you were a Clippers GM? The mock headline tonight, not as, I don't think it's as cheesy as the other ones have been. It's just simply clipped. Thunderfall to LA. I've got a really good one for Sunday, so tune back in for that post-game pod. Uh, the bet of the day outcome, I am absolutely saddened by what happened in this game. I, I am. It, it is hurtful beyond measure that I had Oklahoma City plus 13 and a half and the Thunder lost 120 to 106. Just gut-wrenching. Absolutely gut-wrenching. For the Moneyball outcome, I had Lou Dort leading the way on the three-point total, uh, and he did. He goes three for seven from beyond the arc, tied with Mike Muscala, so that's also an acceptable answer. If you did bet on Mike Muscala for the money ball of the game where we bet on who leads the team in three-pointers made and we play along with each other all season long and the winner gets a special prize from the Locked On Thunder podcast. I am Ryland Styles, host of the Locked On Thunder podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. And I kind of let you in behind the curtain a little bit at the start of the second segment where I was talking about how it will not be as buttoned up and as elongated as normal episodes. Yeah, this is wrapping up in about 28 minutes on the GarageBand recording. I just love talking hoops. I appreciate all of you uh, who take the time to listen. Honestly, the, the last couple of weekends here, you know, the Bulls 22-point comeback, and in this game, I've been thinking to myself, you know what, for the Saturday shows, let's just get in, let's get out. Quick 15-minute recap on the game uh, gives you a bonus episode because we only have to do shows on Monday through Friday. I want to continue to do recaps every single game, though. Uh, and it's turned into, you know, 30-minute, 33-minute monologues and, and, and diatribes about the game itself because I just enjoy doing this so much. So subscribe to Lockdown Thunder wherever you get your podcast from. We'll see you again Monday morning to recap the Sunday game against the Clippers. The Thunder play again Monday. And we have a jam-packed, loaded week of Locked On Thunder content ahead, including special guests to announce along the way. So subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. Be good and be good to one another. We will see you next time on Locked On Thunder. Perfect ending to a historic day! Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.